Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. It's the Weekly Watch again. We're dropping this every Thursday. It's fast-paced, it's random, it's something different, it's something. Footy talk, the serious and the not-so, other sports as well, and a whole lot more. Finals time in the winter codes. The Bathurst 1000 in the cricket season are only just around the corner. The big-name horses are back and ready to fire. Life's good, except for daylight savings when you live in Queensland. That sucks. Good doggies chasing him away. But the mailman's been and dropped off some beauties. A question from an email where the sender's name reads, Big Nuts. Right. Big Nuts asks, Who were your favourite guys to work with and least favourite too? Uh, I was lucky over a long period to work with some awesome fellas and you know what? They are better blokes than they were footballers and commentators and that's saying something. The podium for me, though, over a long period, Wayne Pearce, Laurie Daly and Gordon Tallis. Three absolute legends who were everything you wanted in a workmate and a mate as well. I love their company before, during and after the game and three fellas I'll be mates with for life. Actually, I do have a cracking story about my 40th birthday involving Laurie, Gordy and I all having a very big and very late night and then commentating the next night for another episode, perhaps. <laughs> As for Lee's favourite, again, pretty lucky. Only two real wankers. One of them hasn't been at Fox for years now. I guess he's blowing his whistle elsewhere. The other is still there and punishing everyone, but I'd rather ignore them and enjoy, and I've done that for years. A question from a mama cooling. Have any players ever brushed you for interviews at the game? Yep, Darius Boyd. But if Darius didn't brush you, you weren't trying hard enough. And if brushing was an Olympic sport, Darius would be a national hero and multi-time gold medalist. We did those sit down one night in a corner of a bar in Auckland, New Zealand, I think it was, at an extremely late hour and had a good chat, and we've been sweet since. It's wonderful what a belly full and a few, I love you, mate, can achieve. <laughs> there were two players who brushed me on the field for halftime interviews a few times, and to set it up with halftime interviews, they're prearranged between the club and the broadcaster during the week leading into the game. On game day, it's pretty much up to the player and the commentator to make it happen at the time. 
So with these two guys, they'd been sorted and happy to do the interview if they were winning. If they were losing, they would point blank brush me seconds before the interview. It got me into all sorts with my bosses a couple of times who blew up at me for not doing the job, when in reality I was, but I just got brushed. One of them was Jamie Soward, the other one, Matt Moylan. Both of those two fellas, if you're listening, owe me a couple of coldies at some stage for the shit they put me through. And a question from the Gons. I remember when you worked on the touring cars. Who wins Bathurst next week? I remember those days too very well. Great fun. There's something about Bathurst and that race that's just awesome. It doesn't matter if you're up there on the track, either watching or working or sitting on the lounge and watching it at home. Uh, As for a winner, any car with the name C. Lowndes painted on the rear window gets my vote automatically. So win cup and lounge in the mighty ZB Commodore for me. Side note, we'll have a full Bathurst preview next week right here and on the Legends series. We have a guest for next week that can best be described as V8 Royalty. That's out next Tuesday on the Unfiltered Legends series. Send your questions to mailbox at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Best weekly question wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. This week, it goes to Mama Cooling. Thanks for the questions, guys. It may not be politically correct to say so, but I'm not politically correct, so I'll say it anyway. The 26th of August, 2011, one of the great nights of Friday night footy. Manly and Melbourne, the Battle of Brookvale, throwing hands, Lussick and Hinchcliffe, Blair and Stewart over two rounds, and a young halfback in his first season. Daily Cherry Evans joins us. What do you remember of that crazy night? I was frightened. That's what I remember. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I hate confrontation, and if it becomes physical, I'm extremely overwhelmed with fear. Um, so when I could see it bubbling over, mate, I thought, oh, no, I can't get away from this quick enough. So, <laughs> mate, I'm not <laughs> – I hate fighting. I genuinely hate fighting. So that was a really daunting moment for me. Did you throw any, the little bantamweight amongst the heavyweights? No way. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Both sides, make that both clubs have that pack mentality. In that time, it was very much one in, all in, wasn't it? It was. And as you can watch back from the photos, um, if you stood too far away, you were identified, right? So yeah. that was the tricky part for me was don't get too far away. You're going to look like an <laughs> <absolute> loser. <laughs> but also be close enough where you're not actually going to get um, offered out here. So, yeah, I, I, it was a balancing act. That's the best way I can explain it. It developed into one of the great modern-day rivalries. Add to that the 40 nil grand final, but there's still something really special about Melbourne versus Manly. It is. Um, it's crazy. I thoroughly love playing Melbourne Storm, and it's crazy because they're always they're always a top four side. They're always a good side. They're so well coached. They have some of the best players in the game regularly. And for some reason, I just love playing them. Um, I always walk off extremely sore because they're so physical. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, there's just something that's there between the two clubs and we've had some really good encounters, like whether it's a physical fight, um, like Golden Point Thrillers, it's just, it's always entertaining and I, I don't know what's to it. I don't know if it's just simple, the simple fact of it's a rivalry. I don't know. I, I never really know the answer to that, but I just know there must be a lot of them that feel the same way as us and we enjoy playing against them. The Daily Cherry Evans Legend Series interview is a belter, worth a listen. Episode 9 it is. Plenty of stories to tell, and I get why he was so publicly criticised for the Titans' backflip a few years ago. I get it. But in terms of backflips in the modern era, for me, that's just a bronze medal. James Tedesco for his get-out at Canberra, silver medal, and Ivan Cleary for his off-the-bus move at the Tigers has Got to be gold. That's the biggest of all time, perhaps. Interestingly, though, whatever anyone thinks of the moves or the blokes involved, all three as individuals are in better spots now having made those decisions. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. This weekend, two sides have the rest, the first and second place sides, the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. Most of us, I think, actually I'm pretty sure we've fallen into that storm trap for the last, I don't know, five, six years. Too old, too slow, lost too many players, their time is up. And they just do what they do. They keep winning and the timing of their run at the business end of the year is faultless. So much of that goes down to Craig Bellamy and his right-hand man, Frank Panisi. Frankie's the Storm General Manager of Football and nothing happens at the club without his go-ahead. He's a wonderful operator, wonderful fella too, and just as much a part of Melbourne's successes over the years as Craig or any of the players. The Panthers have been the feel-good story of the year. There's always one, and this year it's them. Executing, exciting, and winning. And I reckon most have been waiting for their form to slump, and it hasn't. They're killing it. Gus's five-year plan actually wasn't too far off, it seems. We hear every week what confidence in a footy side means and what it does. Here's fullback Dylan Edwards' take on it. Yeah, it's great, mate. It can do wonders for you. I mean... um not being confident is is not a very fun and nice feeling. So, I mean, um, confidence is, is key in any sport, in any area. Um, just being able to believe in yourself and your own ability that you can do well and as a team you can do well. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice feeling to have. The fact that you've all – a lot of you have played together for so many years as juniors, does that help with the confidence? Yeah, I think it does. And, I mean um, – as you said, we played together. A lot of us have played together for a while now, and and the connections there, and and you you're able to be honest with each other and, and expect a lot from each other, and and um, not have to worry about what other people think, what the team's thinking about you, or anything like that. So um, it's a it's a, a good position to be in that we've all played a lot of footy together and enjoying it. For Zane Tedovano, the chance to go into rarefied company. He was with the Roosters for 2018 and 19, and is aiming for three straight. And how sweet that would be! Yeah, you're not going to lie, and you you don't like 
you know, I've, I kind of visualise those moments, but then I kind of have to pull myself back. But um, look, yeah, obviously I'm um, passing my 18 one off to uh, my grandfather who passed away back in 2018, which, you know, I'm, I'm proud of. Um, and then obviously 2019 for um, Trent Robertson, coach, um, give me the 19 one. But yeah, uh, I think this one, yeah, this one will be pretty special to me as well. So um, look, looking forward to it, but I don't want to look too far ahead. Yeah, buried his premiership hardware with his grandfather as a tribute. Very nice touch. And last year, he wasn't in the final 17 on game day, so Trent Robinson gave him his ring. The numbers are, though, stacked against the Panthers. A run of wins like they're currently experiencing puts them in elite company, as historian Ian Collis explains and takes us back on a trip a generation or two. They are, Andy. Um, great to talk to you tonight. Um, the, the Panthers are uh, in in great form at the moment. They, they, with their uh, week one finals win, they've now won sixteen in a row. I had my question. I had my doubts coming into the semi-finals whether they'd keep it up. They'd only had two uh, wins against top seven sides. Yep. So I'll exclude Cronulla because I think Cronulla, even though they made the semis, I think they're a little bit off the pace with the other sides. They beat, uh, they beat Canberra and they beat Parramatta in rounds 13 and 18, respectively. Um, apart from that, they were beating lower-ranked sides. They were very good. They were very impressive with what they were doing. They got the job done each weekend, but I, I just thought they might struggle against the Roosters. Do the numbers, do the stats, does history suggest they're the real deal? I'm not sure. I've, I've, I've got to question it. Um, they're just lack of experience. Um, there's been very few sides in history that have that have managed to go on the run they're currently on. And, and what I'm saying in history, I'm saying wins in a row coming into a final series. St George in 1959 um, had 17 wins and a draw that year. There was only 18 rounds in 1959, so they never experienced the loss. Even that great St George side, who who um, had all the all some brilliant players in their side. Their first week in the semis was a second semi-final against Wests and they were not convincing. They only won by a few points. So um, I think coming into a final series with when you're on a, a when you're in a, a run of form and you've won a lot of games in a row, it can itself bring a little bit of pressure because yep. you uh, you don't want to spoil that run and, and come up with a loss. And like I said, the the only the only side that compares them number-wise coming into a final series is George, and that's the George side was one of the greatest sides of all time. There is a theory that we've bantied about in commentary for as long as I can remember, that a team needs a loss. Do the numbers suggest a team does need a loss or is that just something us commentators make up to fill in time during a scrum? No, Andy, I think I think you're spot on, mate. Look at the Rooster side, 1975. One of the greatest sides ever yeah. Then ended up winning the grand final, 38-0. Their first semi-final that year, coming off a, an enormous run of wins, they lost to St George, and they would—they were just no one could see it coming. Yep. It was a narrow eight-five loss, but they lost. They turned it around the next week, very convincingly, and put Manly out. And then, um, as we know, the rest is history. In, in, on Grand Final nineteen seventy-five, they—they—they they, uh, they put the cleaners through St George. It's time to look into the unfiltered crystal ball. What does the future hold for our current sports stars? The year is 2050. We'll come up with the setting 
our guests tell us who it is. We've got the great Mitchell Moses of the Parramatta Eels. You ready to rip on some of your teammates? 100%. Okay. Which of your teammates in standing in the North Mead TAB in thongs, blowing up that his best of the day has just been beaten in a photo? Brad Takarangi. Worst punter <laughs> ever. Exactly. Who's living, Especially in there, 100%. Who's living in a penthouse on the water at Mossman, drinking champagne at midday and playing the stock market? Oh, I don't know. I'd love that to be me, I guess. But um, yeah, right. uh, oh, I'm going to say Michael Jennings. Yeah, Jet Boots got a bit of that in him. Yeah. Okay, who's sitting on the lounge alone, lights off, curtains closed, and watching his career highlights reel on loop. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Nathan Brown. Yeah, good call. Nathan Brown. Who's playing with his 32 grandchildren and ignoring phone calls from former teammates? Guffo. Who's living with his two mates as a 57-year-old bachelor and still wanting to go out partying three nights a week? Nathan Brown, again. (laughs) I love it. Sorry, Brandon, we do love you. It just fizzed with him. I love it when the players relax and sledge. Mitchell and Nathan Brown have had a great relationship since their Tigers days. And from episode two of the Legends series, here's the halfback's assessment of what Brown brings to this eel side. But, mate, he he just plays the game at 100 miles an hour. And and, and I love it. I I just love playing with – Brownie's one of those players that – you love playing with because you see how much passion yep. he plays with and how much it actually means to him yeah. to, you know, when he loses a game, he's fucking off the world yeah. and he's filthy, but he'll move on straight away. And he just, he wants to win. He wants to win for you. Yes. And it's, it's a, I don't know, it's a weird way to put it, but he wants to win for you. He wants to show you that he's, he's all in. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And, and I just love that passion side of, of the way he plays his footy and, um, you know, that's why I've, I've probably been so close with him for um, since my Tigers days, I guess. Mitch should go on to explain that Brownie is the eel security blanket, the one player they get comfort from knowing he's in the team, knowing he's got their back. I'll run with the following guys that I reckon play a similar role for the teams that are remaining. Penrith, James Tamo, the Roosters, JWH and Boyd Cordner. Rabbitohs? I'm going to say Cam Murray, not as big and not the enforcer perhaps, but same effect. Raiders, dead heat, Sia Soliola and Josh Papali. Storm, I'll go with Dale Finucane. Been out with a calf injury, but will return for their next game and a huge boost that is. If the Storm may have been lacking something, it's not just the toughness, but also the speed of Finucane for a pretty decent-sized unit. He's amazingly and deceptively quick over a short distance. Want to know what's coming up on the podcast? Well, stalk us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Andy Raymond. Share the love and share the posts. Oh, what the f***? Ha <laughs> Time to celebrate the obscure sports, obscure sports stars and also sports stories that are just so bad they have to be told. 
Let's go back to 1972, New York. Richard Nixon was the president. The average income was 12 grand. A new house had set you back $27,500. A gallon of gas was worth 55 cents. That's almost four litres, so 12, 13 cents a litre. The New York Yankees won 33 games, lost 27, and finished second to the Tampa Bay Rays in the America League East, as it was known then. They had 18 pitchers on their 36-man roster. Two of them, Mike Kekic and Fritz Peterson, are our focus. Now, it started innocently enough. On July 15, 1972, a barbecue, including both men, their wives and others. After the barbecue, they planned to go out for drinks. Fritz Peterson now takes up the story. He said, When we were deciding to leave, we had driven two different cars and happened to park behind each other out in the street. I said to my wife Marilyn, Why don't you ride with Mike? I'll take Suzanne and we'll go home from there. We did that and had so much fun together, Suzanne and I and Mike and Marilyn, that we decided... Hey, this is fun, let's do it again. So we did it the next night. We went out to the steak and ale. Mike and Marilyn left early. Suzanne and I stayed and had a few drinks and ate. Before long, the four realised they wanted to spend more than just a few dinners and a few hours with each other's spouses. All of us felt the same way, said Peterson. We went on from there and eventually he fell in love with my wife and I fell in love with his. However, the situation presented with more issues than just the players and their wives. Both couples had children, homes and dogs. They couldn't just uproot each other's lives, so the players did what they thought was best. A husband swap. Rather than force the wives to move, they decided to move instead. Almost overnight, they had switched not only wives, but entire lives. Peterson said... There was nothing smutty about it. It was simply what was best for everyone. Don't say this was wife swapping because it wasn't, he said. We didn't swap wives, we swapped lives. No, nothing smutty or naughty. Stop it. But the hype around Mike Kekich and Fritz Peterson was soon over. For several years, both couples lived in relative quiet, assuming each other's daily routines. Fritz and Suzanne eventually married and they are still happily together today. But Mike and Marilyn have parted ways. The two players who were once roommates during road trips and besties haven't spoken in 20 years. No shit. Stop it. Just stop it. This is the Weekly Watch on Andy Raymond Unfiltered and it's feature interview time. The Weekly Wodge is a little on the loose side and we love us an appropriate guest. If we're looking at forming a loose rugby league 13, this fella is an obvious inclusion. Nathan Peets, always a pleasure to have a chat. Who else would get a run in the loose 13? Josh Dugan, Blake Ferguson perhaps? Yeah, there's probably two you could throw in. Um, my mate Darcy Lustig, he's come with. Yes. He'd be in there with me. <laughs> yeah, he, he would be, wouldn't he? Yeah, for sure. What about um, a teammate of yours this year, Keegan Hipgrave? Yeah, he's a he's an interesting interesting character, Keegs. He's one of my favorite favorite people actually because he's a 
he's a bit of a hippie and surfy dude, real relaxed. But then he um, he's a bit of a head case as well. He can flick a switch and go to psycho mode. So it's pretty funny because when you see him off the sh- off the field, he's like I said, real relaxed and goes to uni and studies, and he's a like mad hipster and surfs and lives out of his van kind of the kind of guy, like a Byron Bay type fella. But then he'll flog you if he has a crack. <laughs> he's, he's a funny one actually. Can he throw him, Keegan? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really seen him. I'm assuming so. Even if he hasn't, he's he's still a hothead on the field and he, and he can whack people. So, but he's a not like I said off the field. He's the nicest guy in the world. So, I like Keys. We get along really well. I was pissed off. There was a game. It might have been last year, and it was the Titans versus the Panthers, and Keegan Hipgrave versus Jack Hetherington. I thought, fucking certainty. This is on. Both lunatics didn't go near each other. There was nothing. I know that happens sometimes. Sometimes people have a reputation about themselves, but they end up being pretty calm as well, other times as well. So it's a funny one. Mate, tough year on the Goldie. I figured your time was up when I saw the real estate section in the Saturday paper saying you'd listed your house. That was a reasonably fair giveaway. Oh, yeah, we've known probably, to be fair, I haven't really told me. I knew the first day that Justin walked in the club, not that he'd done anything right. I just got that vibe straight away. Not that he was ever rude to me. I think he's, a, he's a wonderful guy and a wonderful coach, and I wish he'd come. Well, Pang, you know, after Neil Henry got sacked, the club would be a top four club by now because he's a him and Jimmy Dimmick and Jimmy Lenahan. They're they're they're, they're, gonna, they're the right guys to do the job. But I, I got the I got the vibe straight away. You know what yeah. I mean? So I sort of knew from from before preseason even started, and that that comes with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I haven't probably lived it lived up to my my form um, post Origin, so which was 2017, and then um, yeah, which is disappointing, but. The, the, the club standards went down, and then the player standards went down, and the whole place was a bit of a bit, like a bit of a low standards, to be honest. But now that they've they've taken over, um, yeah, they're going to be wonderful for the club. They're a great coaching staff and very very young coaching staff, and switched on. But yeah, I, I knew my time was up, so we thought, yeah, we'll let's get sell the house. But we're going to retire on the Gold Coast. I'll never leave this place. Obviously, if I go somewhere to play, I'll. Yeah. But we're going to come back here. It's a wonderful place to to bring up our kids and. Um, you know, I've sold the house. I've done pretty well with, with property in my in my career, and you know, life after footy's not looking too bad with mortgage and stuff like that. So I'm I'm actually quite happy. But um, yeah, the time's up here, which is sad. But at the same time, I'm I'm looking forward to the next chapter of my life and what it brings. You mentioned retiring with the kids, mate. Uh, two boys, three and five years of age. Your wife Jade is just about ready to pop with number three, a uh, little girl on the way. Yeah, so it's um it's a bit of a hectic household at times with the, the three boys, including myself. But yeah, so it's all full on. We move out next Wednesday into our new place that we got, and baby's due not not long after that. So it's going to be a you know, big couple of weeks in the off season here. But um, no, looking forward to it. You know, I mean, obviously, I always thought I'd have boys in, in a lunatic house, but I think I need that little girl to sort of calm me down. And these two rat bags running around because it's just a screaming match at this house, pretty much twenty four seven. So. Um, no, it'd be, it'd be good for the family to have a little girl coming for sure. Mate, what did you make of the footy on the weekend, week one of the finals? I didn't watch the Penrith game on the Friday night. Um, didn't get across to watching that. But the rest of the games, are, you know, the Parramatta game was especially exciting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think Parramatta, with, you know, with their injuries, they got, they got like, I think, a concussion and, and someone else. And then, you know, Junior Paul and they had to play 40 minutes straight and, about ten minutes ago, Melbourne just started finding their finding their feet yeah. there and just went bang, bang, bang through the middle. So I feel if Parramatta didn't have those early injuries, those early setbacks, they might have been alright. Um, but that was a, that was a classy game to watch. It was entertaining. And then um, I always knew Raiders were going to beat the Sharks. I, yeah. Nothing against the Sharks. Like, 
But I just thought Raiders are too classy, and I think the Sharks sort of just limped into the finals this year, to be honest. But they, to their credit, they still made the eight. They deserve to be there. But Canberra is a good side. And then, um, oh, the South, that, that game is very interesting because I, I, I watched, I've seen this. I don't know if you've seen it. I put this guy's bet up the other day. He had $25 bonus bet on, he turned into 205K. Oh, and he had, stop it. He had, he, had, he had eight legs. He had AFL and, and the last leg, the la- he had all seven. The last leg was South to win 13 plus and over 44 and a half points oh. or 43 and a half points. And now down 14 nil, then they climbed back. And then there was an opportunity where they should have taken the two in front to get him up by 14 and they knocked it back and then they ended up scoring that set. So I was thinking for this poor fella, but that was a good game too. It was just very entertaining and there was high scores, but I think Adam Reynolds hit on the head the other day on the head. He said, Someone said, I was a lot of high scores this week. And he said, well, the game's that fast that there's been pretty much high score games all year. Yeah. And now you've got the best sort of eight, eight teams in the in the comp going at it. Of course, it's going to be even more, you know what I mean? So whoever sort of, even like Melbourne led in 24 points the other night. Like yep. whoever, whoever, whoever can be the best offensive team out of these fast-paced teams, it will win it. And obviously, everyone says that best defensive team can win comps, but because it's so much flamboyant footy going in the game so fast, if you can, if you can keep a team to under 20 points, and then you probably win. And back in the day, or not back, a couple of years ago, it used to be under 16 or 14, you'd win the game. Now it's, it's nearly under 20 points. So you know, if you can nearly do that, you're home. And I think, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to it. I don't really like watching that much footy, but, you know, obviously um, these teams that are left are the, are the best ones yeah. and it's going to be fun to watch. Mate, I think it was a combined 235 points in the four games or something like that. The new rules have opened it up so much as a hooker what do you make of the new rules? I think they've probably gone too big a change in one direction in one season and like to find the middle ground somewhere. Maybe it's just too fast. Yeah, it's a funny one. Some games you don't even like to, to be fair, someone like me who's not the quickest fellow out of dummy art, but some games you don't you don't even know. So you might only get one six again. Yeah. So it's not that big a drama. And what's the other rule? The um the scrums wherever you want, like that. That's not a big drama either. It's a bit nervous when the hooker, you have to get pushed out to defend off the scrum. But the actual yeah. ruck speed, unless you're getting pummeled and, and, and you're playing you know, a top team who's good at finding their front and they get their legs, but then you sort of out your feet defensively. But um, And that's the hardest thing I probably found in the games is that um, you're probably more tired than anything because the game's so fast. So if, if yeah. the other team gets three or four, six against, you're defending your ass off and you're out your feet. And then by the time you get back to the, to attack, you sort of, they've had all the momentum. So they're, their ruck's really tight. Yep. And then you're struggling to, to find. And obviously the Gold Coast times, they, we struggled at times to find, you know, get those quick play the balls mm-hmm. because we're not the biggest team. And then, and to be fair, you don't really get a lot of calls, you know, sort of in the big games and you're playing a top four team. You're not going to give as many sort of things like that. You know what I mean? So it was quite hard. Like, I remember Damien Cook even saying, he's obviously in the weekend, he killed it, but he was saying he had had a line break for the first 12 games this year or something like that because Man. that's what it was like. The, the ruck was so tight because, yeah, the, the game's fast, but could they just go six again? You, you nearly set defensively. Whereas, yep. So it's um yeah, it's it's a bit different, but I think they – I think the the, uh, the Bulldogs coach, um, right, what's his name? Um, Dean Pace said, like, it's a, after the COVID break, it's a completely different game. Like, they sort yeah. of went from this to that. And I just think it was a little bit unfair. Like, and then the coaches started really panicking and thinking, oh, we've got to change our team in this way. But it's still a game of rugby league. You still play 80 minutes in the middle as a fifth dummy half, for example. You don't need to fucking – it doesn't need to change too much. But Correct. it spooked a lot of people out. But I think the good teams have learned how to play with it. And, yeah, it's I don't mind it. It's just a bit – I found it funny they changed so many rules. And that's why there's been so many injuries in 18 games straight with no buys. Yeah. Blokes are starting to break, break down. But – I know the NRL probably thinking for themselves that way, and I, I take my hat off to them. They got the game back and running. We're going to have forty thousand people at the grand final. You know what I mean? So it's, yep. it's a massive achievement. 
But um, they probably went too hard with the rules early on, but I can't see how they can go back and change it now. Like, it'd be a bit weird. Yeah, it so. certainly would. Mate, I know there's still a little bit of para in you. Uh, are they a chance? No Micah, no Murata this weekend, question mark over Blake Ferguson, and, and they've got the Bunnies, your other junior team. Yeah, it's a... I said, if I was the bet man, I'd I would I'd stay away from the from the the result this week. Just go overs of the points because it's going to be yeah, a, yeah. a foot, it's going to be a footy game this week, and they're going to be throwing the ball around. And, and not that they they don't like defending, but they both like throwing the ball around. So I think it's just going to be a, a hot type of game. You know what I mean? So um, that's when that's probably Power's biggest strength is their back five, and I think they've quite off the last few weeks. I remember we played a mill in the year. You had. Gutho bringing it back and you had um, Sivo and Fergo bang, bang after each other. Then you had Wonga Blake come in and you got Jenko who's strong as Fenny. I'm like, it just never ends. And you got Junior and that all come over top of the end and they just used to roll through teams. I think obviously fatigue's kicked in a bit with them. You know, they've played 18 games straight and, and everyone, everyone's looking tired, but losing them to, you know, strong ball carriers. But I don't know how many mate Takarang. He's not in the team every week. I, I love Brad as a coach, but Takas would be the first guy I'd pick on the bench because on the weekend, look what happened. They lost... Um, both wingers, and then they put yep. that Davy in there. Then you got a head knock. You have someone like Tackles on the bench. He can play wing, centre, back row, five eight. He can cover all positions. So um, I don't know. Honestly, don't know who's going to win that game. Anyone can win that game this weekend. It might just be a dead set try scoring frenzy. If I was a betting man, if I was allowed to bet, that would be my option. Hundred percent. I'm a Tackers guy too, and Juicy would have been beneficial the other night. He's got to get a start for mine. This week, especially with the injuries and especially with that right-hand side defence, that's been absolute poo. Uh, looking at the remaining sides, uh, the Panthers probably doing it on confidence. The Roosters are just hardened. The Storm are doing what the Storm do. It made it seems every year, probably for the last eight, the Storm and the fans, the fans have gone, oh, nah, lost too many players, getting too old, they've got nothing. Do players fall into that trap? And, and believe that of the storm because they just keep producing. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're, they're pretty much doing it with 15 players because the last three or four weeks they've been like, I think on the weekend that Chris Lewis didn't get put on and Nico Hines played like 10 minutes. They're pretty much playing with their starting 13 yeah. and then bringing on that um, Tino and Brendan Smith and just ro- rotating. So like, n- not that the other two don't deserve to be on. I'm just saying like they're, they're literally rolling through teams. They're, they're 15 because, yeah. you know what I mean? And um, yeah, they're just dominating and they're still – End of the days is they still they sign blokes when they're young who are coming like Pappenhausen. He'd be on peanuts, you know what I mean? And he's just absolutely killing it. They yep. just have a they have a knack for for getting talent who who are coming through the ranks, and then they get some of those older boys who everyone thinks they're washed up, and they just still keep going. Like that's the credit to Bellamy and then everyone down there. So they're a massive they're a massive thing. And having the week off, you know what I mean? I, I said early on, I thought that when during like a couple of weeks ago, about six weeks ago, they had Cameron Smith out, they had Brendan Smith. All these blokes were injured, and they were still winning games. Munster was out. So what that does, all those blokes, yep. it gives them rest, and they were still winning. So then they come back in. So all these blokes have had heaps of rest and coming in the finals. Like Cameron Smith's never had three weeks off in his life. Yeah, and he's had three weeks off. Munster's fresh, like obviously Munster's knee, but they're all, I reckon, mentally fresh, and they're all coming in. They look like they're peaking. I reckon. I, I've seen Phil Gould say something about them today, but I reckon they're they're in good form. I reckon it'll be Penrith, um, Penrith Storm Grand Final, maybe. Penrith Storm Grand Final. And if you had to throw a dollar on. Who, you, who would you throw it on? Oh, I reckon, I reckon, I'd go Storm. Just the, yeah. If they get to the grand final, yeah, I think their experience might get made the line. But Penrith, um, I'm no, no expert, but Penrith, uh, these young kids these days, they don't care. They're that, they're that yeah. um, confident. And like even now, I've been playing for 10 years, I'm, I'm still afraid to make a mistake. Or I see an option, I go, oh, no, no, I shouldn't do that. They just they yeah. don't care. They're just coming, I'm taking it. And that's why they're so good because 
the, this young generation coming through this, like even um, that Dylan Brown and Parra, they're so confident. They just do what they want and not in an arrogant way do they want, but they just, they just go about their business and that's what makes them so good and hats off to them. I, I wish I could be like that, but I'll, yeah, it's, it's, it's something you've got to have coming through the ranks, I think. Thanks for dropping in, Big Nuts. Enjoy your off-season if you ever get out of quarantine. Yeah, thanks, mate. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. And if being polite doesn't work, maybe bribery will. One lucky reviewer wins an unfiltered trucker's hat every week. Every week we're giving away a trucker's hat. They can also be purchased through our website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. This week's winner for the review, Dutes Nuts. Something about nuts this week. Great review, mate. Appreciate it. Get in touch, my man. The hat is yours. We checked our Apple Analytics. It tells us everything we need to know about who's listening to the podcast, where they're listening, and what they're doing. We've got a 73.9% male demographic. That means 17.9% female, 6.7% not specified, and 1.5% non-binary. That's no shit. That's what the stats say. We're the inclusive podcast that truly caters for everyone. So back to the real world we go. Have a great week, legends, and don't forget to back Pikey in the last.